This is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already should know. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast. This is Season 7 episode eight and guess who was back with us this week the one and only kyle gauss so you look like you were kind of like disappointed with that intro well, i was curious i was like is it something is, more grand i was wondering if it was a rhetorical question or if you actually wanted like well guess who's back and me'd be like mm, i don't know the like the mcrib like what am i supposed to guess back <laughs> <The> McRib. <laughs> should eat a mcrib during this podcast and see if we can get never had a podcast never never had had i have either I don't think I want one. No, I mean, I'm not, I like ribs, I guess, but like I haven't had McDonald's in a while. Actually, McDonald's, last time I had McDonald's, you're going to hate me for this because, of course, last time I had McDonald's was in Italy. It was in Rome. <laughs> really? I think yeah, because this was like, so this is like 2017, and this was, you could like go up and order it via like a touch screen and you could order wine. And I was like, well, I can't not order wine at like a McDonald's in Rome. So like, <laughs> I just came back like, boop, 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 and they brought out this little like cup of wine. <laughs> How was it? Was it good? It was fine. McDonald's is fine. You get a break in your stomach afterwards. The whole point of McDonald's, not to get too often. The whole point of McDonald's is consistency, right? I can go to any town in America and get a, a double or get a quarter pound of cheese. And it's supposed to stay exact, taste exactly the same. It's supposed to be familiar. You remind you, you're getting nostalgia, familiarity. It tastes the same in Europe. Why did you, so I think they had, like, you guys just tip. like, was it hot? You just needed food. You needed what? Why? Walking. It was just near, I mean, I had to look, I think uh, we stayed near like Plaza Navarro, which was like um, near the Vatican, like across the bridge from the Vatican. Yeah. And there was a McDonald's right near our place. And they just happened to pop on in there. Easier that or the only other recent McDonald's memory I have in my mind is I was connecting a flight from Madison to Philly before they had a direct flight to Madison. Thank God. Great, great adventure, American Airlines. And I was in O'Hare and I had like 35 minutes to get to my next flight. And I was just eating over like a tray, like a Big Mac over like a trash can. I just like, like disgusting, but like just just do this. Oh, interesting. Um, Dante Colonel is going to be with us a little bit later in the show. Sam allegedly, Collins. allegedly, um, Dante will be yeah, will be with us a little bit later. Sam not on the show this week. Uh, he'll be back with us next week, hopefully. As my drafts, somebody uh, signed up for a year membership, so I, I fired him. Yeah, that's great. You have no idea. Your, no idea what sharing your drafts. I looked at. I sent you what my drafts looked like. I had. I was going to tweet out something about spitting out ice cream, which I believe was a reference to to Gabe Kapler. Didn't Gabe Kapler do the thing? Or didn't he do some interview okay, where he said like he would eat? Uh, he would put ice cream in his mouth to get the taste of it, but then spit it out. Yeah, I do recall that because he didn't want to waste the calories. Yeah, weird dude. I mean, hey, tip my cap to him. He's uh, got the Giants playing good baseball. Well, it helps when you have five starting pitchers and then you're right in like the twos. But yeah. Sure. Yeah. You know who's not playing good baseball? The Phillies. But this is no Phillies podcast. You're happy about that it's as a Braves fan. It's expected at this point. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. If you got your hopes up about the Phillies, uh, it's your fault. Anyway, let's get back to Temple football. Um, famous number eights. You got any before we move along and get into recapping Wagner and previewing Memphis? Aaron McKee. Perfect one. Davey O'Brien. Yep. Uh, Javi Lopez. Yep. That's about it. Um, and Kobe, right? Kobe Bryant. Of course, Kobe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Temple got back on track, which it had no choice to do last week, uh, being Wagner 41 to 7. We'll talk a little bit about Memphis in a second. Temple's homecoming game uh, that I think they have a real opportunity to kind of just, you know, not saying they're going to beat Memphis and then win the league, but they have the opportunity to kind of change the conversation about their season this coming Saturday against a, a Memphis team that I think is beatable. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, again, they, you know, save for them falling behind to Wagner, which was not a good look. Temple reels off 41 straight points. Um, Kyle, what, what stood out to you about this game? I mean, was this about what you expected? Again, obviously if they lose this game or if it was even close, we'd be having a, much different conversation right now. It would have been bad to say the least, but 
Um, you know, Dewan Wag, Dewan Wagner, Dewan Wagner, Dewan Wagner did not play quarterback. God, that'd be so good. All that would have been a definite, <laughs> definite sidebar coming out of coming out of coming out of last Saturday's game. Um, what a what a story. Um, Tuan Mathis played. Kyle Dobbins established himself again. We take a little bit of this with a grain of salt, but look, Mathis had to play, needed some snaps under his belt, went 22 of 32 passing for 292 yards, two touchdowns. Kyle Dobbins had 13 carries, 61 yards, uh, three touchdowns. But again, you're looking for some sort of bell cow back. It's a step in the right direction. Jaden Blue, Randall Jones are out. So Jose Barbone steps up. Cadis Reem steps up. Uh, what'd you take from this game? Um, I... I've actually been thinking about this fair amount, to be honest, like how much can you gauge off of this? How much can you actually um, like learn from this? I think it's a lot easier to correct mistakes and uh, yeah, fix things after a win rather than following a loss. So, I mean, I think it's something that necessarily shouldn't be taken for granted at this point because Hey, look, they've won three games in the last two years, right? Like it's been two calendar years and they've won three games. So I think anytime you can get a win, it's a good thing. It's easy to kind of look at team, uh, look at your roster. Like, Hey, we did these two things wrong. Like the one, the one thing Quantel Reigns misses an open field tackle and that's Wagner's entire offense for the entire game. So you can literally go down to if Quantel Reigns makes that tackle there, which I think he would tell you you should do. And Rod Carey said, yeah, he obviously should have made that tackle. If that happens then, then Wagner probably gets shut out. We're looking at a 41 nothing win, and people are probably fine with it. Um, I don't think you can really take much from it offensively, even though they did put up 41 points, because I don't think they ran anything close to their offense. Like, a lot of that is probably because of the fact that Dwan Mathis is playing on a bum leg at this point, but did you see a single RPO in there? No. no. Like, every single play was just – hey, we have better athletes here. Let's get them in space. Let's do that. To their credit, they did it well. Jose Barbon had a great game. When they finally did decide to take some shots, it's, hey, we have Cadis Reem who ran a 4.38 or whatever at, at a Rutgers camp to get a temple offer. Let's just run him on a go route. And he runs on a go route. So I think I completely agree with the decision to keep Mathis in as long as you did, to be honest, as long as they did, to be honest. I know a lot of people on Twitter were saying like, get him out there. He's injured. We like, get him out of there. Like just save him for Memphis, but he needed the reps. Like he, yeah. he had played a quarter and a half at temple in four weeks. So, I mean, I was completely okay with them saying in that far defense. I don't think anybody played more than like 25, 30 snaps. They were just rotating a lot of guys in getting people's feet wet. It was nice. People will say, why is Wagner on the on the schedule, which I get, but it's also kind of enjoyable as just somebody that covers the team to be like, Oh, well, that's what Malik Cooper looks like in a roster, in a, in um, a Temple jersey, and that's where they're going to try to use him. You kind of get to like an opportunity to kind of see how they project people to the next level. So, all in all, uh, it's not a game that I think they should think much about one way or the other. I'm sure they feel glad just to get the win, but on to a much, much more important game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, good sign that, again, with, with Blue and, and Jones out, that you start to see a little bit of something from. Well, a lot more of something from Jose Barbon and Amon Anderson. Like Amon Anderson had a pretty Amon solid Anderson. game, other than the punt return fumble. But like in, within the right. offense, um, yeah, like he showed his he showed shiftiness in the open field. Yeah, um, mentioned Kyle Dobbins earlier. Again, it's coming against a, a bad FCS team, but you know this is a Memphis team, and we'll get to them in a second. That showed they were two different teams from one week to the next. Like they they had held Mississippi State to just fifty yards the week before. And then last week they lose, they blow a 21 nothing lead to University of Texas San Antonio, which is actually a pretty good program this year. Which and I think we're going to talk about uh, in a mailbag question later on. Yes. Um, and, As a potential uh, conference petition. Uh, yes. Um, and Sincere McCormick, they're back, who was actually a pretty good player coming out of high school, gashed them for 180 yards to three touchdowns. I love that name. I love that name. I know, name. Sincere so McCormick. What it's like when you're like, oh, man, I got to go get the, the seasoning for my dry rub. And it's like, oh, man. <laughs> Sincere McCormick, McCormick yes. spices. McCormick. Great, great lineage of, of uh, herbs and spices. Uh, so, you know, again, it's they, they play who's on their schedule. They needed a win. So, again, you see 61 yards and three touchdowns out of Kyle Dobbins. He looked like he ran decisively. Here's Rod Carey talking about Kyle Dobbins' performance. Again, Kyle Dobbins, if you, you know, Temple fans are familiar with him. He was a fairly highly touted recruit coming out of South Jersey. He, he started St. Augustine Prep, finished up at Timber Creek, was a good recruit, really hasn't been able to get things together until recently. Trey Blair's went out. Um, Sadie is still, Ed Sadie's still in the lineup. 
Um, you know, Rayvon Bonner has been banged up. He could play again this week, the Illinois transfer, but here was an opportunity for someone to step forward. Kyle Dobbins did. Here's Rod Carey talking about uh, what do you like from Kyle Dobbins' performance? Kyle, Kyle has worked, you know, he, he was one of those guys that pushed through the entire fall camp, um, didn't miss, was available, and certainly last week um, had a good week of practice and has kept pushing. And so that got him in a situation where he earned what he got on Saturday. And it's amazing when you, um, amazing trick in football, I say that completely facetiously, is that when you uh, practice good, you play good. It's an amazing thing that uh, I think uh, sometimes we like to look at highlight reels as a society and think that that just happens. It doesn't. And so it's proud of Kyle. Right. So it sounds again like, you know, you hear Rod saying there, look, I mean, he's put in the work. He's, he's practiced well, not, not too much uh, mystery to it. And, you know, again, it would be a great story for Temple if if Kyle Dobbins keeps this going. And again, this is a a Memphis team, like I said a few minutes ago, went from one end of the spectrum to the other in terms of you know stopping the run. And here's an offense that you really want to keep off the field. They run tempo. They can wear down your defense. And and if you can, obviously, you can do some things with Dewan Mathis. He has to prove it against a better team. But if they can sustain some longer drives and Kyle Dobbins can give them something with Memphis coming off a week where they didn't stop the run. I don't know. Again, maybe this is coming at the, at the right time. Do you think this is something that Dobbins can take into this Saturday? Yeah. I mean, I, I think he, he needs to, uh, I mean, this isn't the first time that we've heard Kyle Dobbins' name, right? I mean, mm-hmm. fast forward or rewind back to 2019, the preseason prior to Ramon Davis kind of taking over and, be, and that, you were hearing Kyle, Kyle Dobbins' name there. Mm-hmm. Like I remember going to a, a camp, a, practice at Geezy and he looked good and he was getting time with the ones as probably a redshirt freshman at that point and then didn't really play I like the quote where he says like look I, I saw how this was going like I saw that I wasn't playing and I kind of saw how like this was going to go if, if something didn't change it's like when you're like texting like your your high school girlfriend and she starts to get like further and further apart with the responses like oh I, I I see where this is going right like like we might not get there tomorrow we might have to get there in two days but eventually like I see that we're gonna break up so like I, I kudos to Kyle Dobbins for being like okay this is my opportunity to blood in the water to seize a role and I think he carved that role I think they'll still start with Ed Sadie or Trey Blair um, to start the game against Memphis but. Kyle Dobbins showed an ability to be maybe that red zone back or kind of get those opportunities. So yeah, all in all um, he has, yeah, he has opportunities this week. I think if you need to sustain momentum, you're only as good as your last performance. If he goes out after Rutgers, we were talking about how good Ed Sadie looked and he hasn't looked that way since it'd be quite uh, blunt. So I'm always kind of okay with the running back by committee if you're getting the results, Um, but somebody is going to need to step up against this Memphis team. Mm -hmm. Now, again, defensively, they could be vulnerable. They've got this weird stat where they have, you know, Dante's pointed this out. It'll be in his preview, something we were talking about just in our group chat, where they have 30 pass breakups through four games, which is kind of insane. Shows you that they've played teams have thrown the ball, but they're last in the league with just one interception. Um, Offensively, they, you know, they, they scare you. Obviously, you know, this is a good uh, quarterback that they're facing. Uh, Seth Hennigan, it really hasn't looked like a, hasn't looked like a freshman. Yeah, sure, but like he's also just doing what they're asking him to do. Right? Sure, but do like, still doing it well. Yeah, no, obviously, like when you're number nine in the nation in passing yards, like you're doing something right, right? But like he hasn't really been tested. He hasn't looked good the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. He didn't look good against Mississippi State at all, and he looked okay against UTSA. His numbers are probably a little better than he actually was. Mm-hmm. Part of it's look, you got Calvin Austin, right? So right. 529 receiving yards. He's what. He's leading the conference. I think he's number two in the NCAA and, and receiving touchdowns with seven. But Pennigan's average depth of throw is on eight, eight point nine yards because they don't need him to throw it deep. They had these dynamic athletes. Calvin Austin has 290 yards after the catch this year. So, like, yes, he's doing well. And yes, he doesn't look like a freshman, but like I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'd crown him quite yet. Sure. Is what I'd say. I don't think they they haven't really faced anything yet. And he hasn't. I know they went on the road against Arkansas State, but that's basically another home game. This is going to be the first time that they really went on the road, go into an environment that should hopefully be relatively hostile because it's homecoming. And it's a trip that they haven't done well with 
like two years ago, they lost to Temple here. So I'll be curious mm-hmm. to see what a true freshman, an 18 year old looks like in an actual road game. And this is a test for, you know, it's a test for Hannigan. It's a test for, uh, before we get to, before we get to, um, you know, Temple being a test for, uh, for this, uh, the Temple secondary, um, it's, you know, a couple of things I wanted to get to here. Yeah. I think this is a beatable Memphis team. Now they faced, you know, they faced a good receiver in Bo Melton, but with the exception of that, you know, where Keyshawn Paul whiffs in the opener, they haven't been like truly, truly like really victimized by, so they've faced some good receivers. Now, now Zay sure. Flowers, save for that, uh, I can't remember if it was just like a reverse push pass type of thing. They kind of held him in check. Granted, they lost 28 to three. But, you know, this and Calvin Austin, really good receiver they're facing. He's a, you know, he's a shorter guy, but he's, he's quick. They're going to have to be mindful of him. He's returned a 94-yard uh, punt return touchdown this year, so they got to be mindful of him. See that play? No, I did not. The, so that's the other thing. But we don't get too far into this. I, I think the, um, the other one was he returns. Was that the one that um, – was that the punt return or the fumble return? The only reason they beat Mississippi State is because he had a heads-up play where Mississippi State didn't understand how to down yeah. a punt, and he picks yeah. it up and runs it back yeah. six yards. Yeah, not that one, but I think he's got a 94-yard. He's got an actual punt return as well. I think yeah. so, yeah. Um, I didn't do my research. So, I mean, is this – Again, this is a big this is a big test for Tempo for Temple in terms of again, it's not like they Tempo is not a new thing in college football. Memphis has done it, uh, but is this secondary? And again, I, I'm not trying to also crown Temple secondary four games in. You know, they faced you know Rutgers and Boston College, and then they faced Akron and Wagner. But um, in terms of looking at the secondary, and they've had you know Deshaun Winston's been out, MJ Griffin has played better, Amir Tyler I guess has been okay. Um, but have Cam Ruiz and Keyshawn Paul, again, we just talked about Keyshawn Paul missing on a tackle in the Rutgers game, but they had a multitude of problems in that game. But has this past defense been better than you expected it to be through the first four games? Again, I'm not trying to say that they're, you know, up there with an SEC team. It's four games in, but have they been better than you expected? Um, real quick, I was right about Calvin Austin. His punt return was Mississippi State didn't understand how to, how to down a ball. So he went in and just picked it up. So it wasn't a traditional punt return. He tried fair catching it. They screw it up and he takes it from there. But anyway, oh, to okay. answer your question, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, they haven't really played anybody. I, I got some guff from some dude on Twitter today, uh, this week by saying they were number two in the nation in passing defense. He's like, well, they haven't played anybody. It's a result of the teams they played. Well, yeah, that's what stats are. Stats are directly impacted by the teams you're playing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think we had questions coming in about where or not Cam Ruiz would it just end up kind of being a glorified slot guy or if he could really play out wide. He's played out wide the entire season. The only game that he played in the slot at all was a little bit against Akron, but for the most part, he's just lining up out wide. I think he, Sean Paul, has been exactly as, as advertised except for that one missed tackle. I think the thing that's going to be interesting and kind of sets the ceiling for what this past defense can be is that other safety spot. I mean, Amir Tyler is a captain for a reason. He's a good player. He's more of a – he's better in the box and, and against the run, in my opinion, than necessarily his coverage. So I hope that – you hope that Deshaun Winston is able to come back from a lower body injury and and kind of provide that because right now, I mean, they're throwing out their – I'm sorry, I said Deshaun Winston, right? Yeah, they're, they're rolling out a combination of Alex Odom, MJ Griffin, and Jalen Ware is still coming out there. But, I mean, they, uh, they're better when Deshaun Winston has the ability to kind of go in there. MJ Griffin played very well in times this year, and he's also kind of been a, a third starting safety. But I think in order for them to really take the next step as a pass defense, I think Deshaun Winston needs to be healthy and be out there. Um, so for, for, you know, looking at that receiving core, looking at the tempo that they play with, I mean, do you think that's, I don't want to simplify it this much, but do you think that is the key to this game, establishing Dobbins, establishing the run, you know, making sure that you're not putting, I mean, you want to, you want to get Dewan Mathis involved. You know, you saw like the one play that he made where he was able to kind of make some stuff happen in the pocket. I think it was the touchdown pass to Reams, right? Where he escaped a little bit of pressure, but I'm not saying you don't throw the ball, but do you think the key to beating Memphis is just really establishing the run, keeping that offense off the field, keeping your defense rested and sustaining some longer drives to, to, to get a win here? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you ever really want to get into a shootout, right? Especially if you're Temple. I mean, historically, even when they've gotten into these shootouts, they're usually on the wrong end of them. Like, you go back to, like, the only game that I can really remember that they really got into a true shootout and won was that 2015 game against SMU. 
where they won 60 to 40. Yeah. But for the most part, I mean, the way the Temple win upsets teams and wins games is by controlling the clock and then taking their opportunities when they have it. If you're asking me what the key to this game is, I honestly look at the other side. Um, I think that Memphis has a pretty big mismatch in the Sean Dykes, the tight end that lines out wide a lot. Right. I think they really have to contain him. I mean, Calvin Austin is going to get what he gets. I think uh, Dykes is kind of the, the X factor there. But I don't think Temple, to go back to your point, I don't think Temple should be abandoning the pass whatsoever or anything like that. Uh, I mean, it's still a Memphis team that gave up 600 passing yards to Arkansas State. Like, mm-hmm. you can throw on these teams too. This just seems like a pretty typical – uh, Memphis team. So, well, as promised, we said that, that Dante Colnelli was going to be joining us on the pod today. We didn't want to let anybody down. So Dante's with us. Dante, how you doing? Doing great. Happy, happy to be here. Had a, had a crazy day. Kyle said that I, I've been welcome to the real world attending meetings all day. I feel like a real adult now. So yeah, your crazy day was you were in meetings. I was like, yeah, man, that happens. Well, I, I mean, I went to class <laughs> too. They like sent us into center I'm city kidding. to like, you know, it's just it's a lot. Dante is a senior. He's also the digital digital chief chief digital copy editor at the Temple News, right? That's right. Yeah, I should know that as your advisor. Um, <laughs> you know, a little plug for the Temple News. I will say that uh, the paper celebrating its hundredth anniversary this year. Um, if you're a Temple, who dad, the hell interviewed these people? I didn't interview me. I knew you were going to make this about who did interview me. <laughs> Oh, we're going to interview all Kevin DeGandhi and <laughs> Kristen Graham. But you can't interview Kyle Gauss. <laughs> I'm right here. We could have done it via text. <laughs> we, are all, we all have that in common, too. I am a product of the Temple News. Kyle Gauss is a product of the Temple News. Kyle Gauss doesn't work at the Temple News. Kyle Gauss wouldn't be sitting here right now. I never would have known him. So I feel fortunate that he worked at the uh, Temple please. News. I would, I, would have, I would have weaseled my way in somewhere. It would have been fine. <laughs> And Dante works at the Temple News. They put out uh, the paper's 100th anniversary issue this week in print. We'll have a lot of great digital content throughout the year. Um, actually, they're going to have a table set up in Lock K and Saturday's game, Long Tailgate Row. So if you are listening to this podcast and you worked at the Temple News, if you're a fan of the Temple News and read it, stop by. We'll have a table there prior to the game. Well, what you guys should do for the anniversary, whatever is be like a very meta joke and be like, oh, we did the foodies and we found this little hole in the wall called Bob and Barbara's. And do it for the 17th straight time somebody will review about barbers <laughs> um so yes dante has been busy all day with meetings but he's joining us now on the scoop dante we've already reviewed uh the, the wagner win uh you just filed the the preview for saturday's game kyle and i think this is a winnable game what do you think winnable absolutely right like i, I think that they have an opportunity to win this game. I think it'll be, I think the big matchup for Temple is going to be if their secondary plays as well as they played um, the entire season against Memphis's passing attack. They've got a freshman quarterback who's very, very good. He's incredibly efficient. He uh, has turned the ball over one time this year. I don't know if he's like an NFL guy, but he's a good college quarterback. And I think that you know, he might be one of the better college quarterbacks that they've seen so far, which is not a high bar to clear, but that's where we're at. Um, <laughs> and I think that obviously Calvin Austin's a big test at wide receiver as well for this secondary, right? Like he's kind of the engine that makes the offense go. They're going to do everything in their power to get the ball into his hands. On the flip side, uh, Memphis's passing defense is like not good. Uh, they give up a ton of yards. They're towards the bottom of the American. Ironically, they have 30 pass breakups and only one interception, which like as somebody who who studies the NFL draft and like numbers for prospects and stuff, I cannot tell you how outrageous that discrepancy is. Yeah, it's um, weird. It, we were just talking insane. about that earlier. And like I, I um I you know, talked about it. I, I did a uh, interview with the with the fanatic this morning with Pat Egan and talked about how you had pointed that out. I mean, is that just a product of them just playing teams through the first four games that just throw a ton and they've just been, you know, just, just not getting their hands on enough of them or bringing them in. I think so. You know, going back and watching some of the, some of the broadcast games, I mean like every game that they've played in is a shootout thus far. Um, so teams have, you know, either Memphis has jumped out to a big lead and teams have had to throw a ton to, to get back into the game, or it's been the other way around where Memphis had to come from behind. So um, it's, it, they're a really interesting team. I, I don't know if they're as good as the three and one record says they are Um, UTSA kind of, I mean, just manhandled them a little bit in the running game. They ran sincere McCormick like 42 times, I think off the top of my head in that game. So 
Um, yeah, I agree with you guys. This is a winnable game for Temple. I think that they can win it. Um, but I also think it's going to be their biggest test of the season as far from the defensive standpoint. Um, if Jerkovic had played versus Boston College, I would have leaned more towards that. But like clearly Grossell just did not have it that week. Um, so I think this is going to be the biggest test quarterback and, and for uh, in quarterbacks and then for their defense. But this is a winnable game. Temple should be able to score on them is what I'm saying, right? Is like Temple's been playing better competition and they haven't scored a lot of points. They should be able to score on Memphis. This should not be a 28 to three ball game. Is this? I, oh, sorry, real quick. I, I, I was kind of hoping that Dante was going to come in cold and just make the same points I made because that would make me feel better around myself because I value, I like respect Dante's football opinion. So I was hoping that he would kind of identify the same things. I agree. I think Hennigan's the best quarterback they've played. Dante, before you were getting on, I was trying to kind of downplay him a little bit just because he's just doing what they asked him to do, right? Like he's just getting the ball into Calvin Austin's hands. I think Sean Dykes is still the mismatch here at tight end. I don't know what Tumble's going to do. I don't know if you play Cam Ruiz more in the slot against him. I don't know if you utilize an extra safety like MJ Griffin or Alex Odom against him. Um, I don't know. I think that's the one to watch. But, yeah, I, I completely agree. Very winnable game. Or is anybody good enough at Bubo to cover him? Yeah, I mean, so like Quantel Reigns, not the best game of his career. He didn't play that much against Wagner, but – he made the only real defensive mistake against Wagner. So yeah, is it a Bubo situation? Is that Quantel Reigns is the, well, Quantel Reigns is the only like bigger Bubo they have. I mean, cause DJ Woodbury is still growing into his body at that size. He put on a lot of weight from wide receiver. Mohim Bacargo's tiny at Bubo. So Thomas yeah. Kamara, we should say is now his entered the transfer portal. Uh, another Ostra update, of course, Iverson Clement, uh, Rod Carey shared this week is no longer with the program. And Real uh, Mitchell. Yeah, Real Mitchell has left too. So a few departures um, would have been great to see what Iverson Clement could have done. You know, they've, they've said that he was dealing with some personal issues. Rod Carey was no longer with the team. Um, Iverson Clement, I think at one point got on social media and say, I didn't leave the team, although Rod Carey never. I don't he, know. Got, he got pissed because somebody posted, like not, not anybody here, like some random transfer portal thing posted, like Iverson Clement has left the team, which was not what Rod Carey said, which right. is not how we framed it, but somebody framed it that way. And he took offense yeah. to that. So a couple of roster updates there. But to be honest, uh, he hasn't he hasn't been on the team in a couple months at this point. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's throw around some predictions. I I, uh, I I think this is a winnable game. I'll stick with the prediction I made on the Fanatic this morning. I think I think this is a 31-28 Temple win with Rory Bell hitting a a late field goal. You always do that. Whenever you predict a win, it's always on a late field goal. I swear to God, it's always on a late field goal. I gotta it's always with, I gotta stick with the visions that that I see. If uh I don't know. It's what I see. It's what I see. To steal a phrase from, you know, Sam Cohen this week, I, I, I think I give Roy Bell his flowers a little bit. Like, he, he's been pretty adamant that he has the leg to extend them, right? Oh, he was great what, in that press conference. Yeah, he hit, what, a 47-yarder, 46-yarder, 47? So, like, by far the longest of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, I know people, not to go off on a tangent, people have been talking a lot about how special teams have not improved since Rock Carey got. Special teams, other than punt return and – so that is a lot better this year than it was last year. Like kicking Roy Bell is a lot better on kickoffs than this year than he was last year. Mm-hmm. Adam Barry is having like an all conference level year at punting. They just got to figure out returns a bit. Right. But, or do they, like, as Dante said, do they want to return? <laughs> do they yeah. They'll be curious. Returns? I mean, they'll be curious this year, as, uh, this week, assuming Jaden blue is back and healthy, which it sounds like he's going to be, is he going back to punt returning or do you keep Matt Anderson out there and, so on and so forth. If it's the former, I think then you just throw a catching and go from there because Jaden Blue, as good as he is, wide receiver is not a very good punt return no. from what we've seen. Um, Memphis game. I keep kind of coming back to envisioning 2019 when it was a close game. It comes down to that is it a catch? Is it not a catch on fourth down for Memphis? I think Temple wins this game, not on a late Roy Bell field goal. I think it's similar to 2019 where they're going to get up and they're going to try to, to stave off Memphis. I'm going to say Temple. 38 Memphis 31 mm. homecoming. Yeah. This, this is, this is the fork in the road, right? If they win this game, they're three and two. Um, they have a tough game against Cincinnati six games later, but you kind of see a path to bowl eligibility. If they win this game, if they lose this game, it's hard for me to envision them somehow scraping out six wins. So do you want to go to a bowl? You got to win this game. Yeah. Dante, I guess I got to be the contrarian here. I guess. Um, yeah, I think Memphis is going to win. I got it. I got it. 35, 31 Memphis. I think that I I'm just going to, I'll be honest. I'll be blunt. I do not have a lot of faith in this temple team to show up 
in the first quarter of this game. I, they haven't done it yet this season. And you cannot spot a team that is explosive as Memphis is 14 points, 10 points in the first quarter. Like you can't. So um, I'm one of those football people. Like I need to see it to believe it. So if they show me that they are emotionally in check at the start of a game this year, great. I'll take it. But I think Memphis gets ahead a little bit early. Temple has to play catch up. I think it's a good game. I think that you see the progress that you want to see from this team. Uh, but I think ultimately, I think Memphis is a better team. So I'm going to pick that in 35-31. So real quick, if that happens, let's say Temple goes up there, they play better, they lose by four, seven, whatever, against a, a potentially solid Memphis team. How does that make you – do you feel any different at that point? Are you okay at this point with, okay, well, they're making progress and they look like they can compete against teams like Memphis or it's still just like, look, it, all that matters is wins and losses? For me, the way that I've always framed this season is that like we're still one season away from where I would expect them to be legitimate competitors in this conference. So if they come out and they play well and they show that they belong consistently, I think they'll steal some wins from teams. And I think they might be a little bit better than we expected. But obviously, I also agree with you that this is a fork in the road game. Like you can't you can't get your doors blown off here. Like You, you cannot like that is, you know, that is like we're that's going for next to- Friday. Next Friday, Friday you get the yeah. 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 So um I I think they just need to show that they're competitive, that they can keep this game close, that this is, you know, Wagner and Akron. I mean, frankly, like those games don't mean anything to me right. as an analyst. Like, sure, yeah, you beat them. Great. Um, so they need to come in and just kind of show that they can compete. Let's go to the mailbag. We've got uh several questions to get to. Uh First one comes here. Again, these are screen names from our subscribers on the message board. So the first one comes from Rockland Al. How do you view the future of the AAC if, as reported, Colorado State and Air Force join? Same question, but with Memphis and possibly SMU being offered membership in the Big 12. I don't see SMU being offered membership in the Big 12. Memphis, for sure. I think Memphis, Boise State, maybe. I don't see. They don't need the Dallas market. They already have the Dallas market. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think it's – an interesting conference at that point. I don't know if it's an interesting conference that Temple wants to be in long-term because um, it's pretty well stretched out. I don't mind the Air Force addition if that happens. Colorado State doesn't do much for me. I'm more curious about what the other remaining two additions are. If it's UAB, like the big rumor right now is that it's going to be Colorado State, Air Force, UAB, and UTSA, which mm-hmm. we were just talking about as being Memphis earlier. So if that's the case, then we would clearly see- have the opportunity to cover Sincere McCormick. You want to kill well, me? I, yeah, I, I thought that was going to be Paul with like, I'll kill you. He probably won't be. He probably won't be here. I, 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 I've never been to San Antonio. I hear good time, good things. River, there's a river walk and whatnot. I like river yeah. walks. Yeah, go there. I like river walks. <laughs> that does more for me than some of these schools being mentioned. I'm not going to Birmingham. It's like I don't care about that. Uh, I think I think it would show you that Temple, that not Temple, that the American still values media markets. So, I mean, we can get into a long discussion about where or not media markets still matter at this point. And I think you can make an argument that they don't matter as much because of streaming. But if that's the four schools they added, then Mike Oresco is showing you that media markets still matter to him. Um, I think it's not a great geographical fit. I don't, I don't know if there was anybody out there that all that made a better geographical fit for Temple. Like if you added Buffalo and Marshall, that's still six, seven hours each way for both schools. Like, yeah. That's not road trips. Right. Unless you're going to add Villanova, Monmouth, and somehow convince Rutgers to come back. There's no way it's all of a sudden going to be a better geographical fit for Temple. Yeah. Dante, any thoughts on this one? No, I agree with everything Kyle said. I, I think that, I mean, the American's in a tough spot. Like Kyle just smiled brightly as he works on a second can <laughs> of soda now. I did. I was, going to, I was wondering if you were going to notice I switched. I on the one. Then A&W, is that a diet A&W? Yeah. So I go from caffeine and then I always do like a non-caffeine. It's like a dessert soda. But yeah, they're always, always diets. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't try not to waste calories on sodas, so they're always dying. Excuse me, Dante. Yeah. Please go ahead. <laughs> uh, no, I mean I, I agree with what Kyle said. Like I don't I don't really know what other path the American can really take at this point. Like who are you going to add that's a better geographical fit for Temple? Um, I think I think Memphis probably will get a Big Twelve invite. I mean basketball I feel like matters. Like I'm I'm very much a football person, but like Memphis basketball is very much trending in the right direction. I feel like the Big Twelve would be smart to kind of take that. I don't know. Um, 
football wise, I think Colorado State's a little bit of a better program than given credit for. I, I think that they could make oh, a little not bit the, of the current coaching staff. No, <laughs> I know, but like they do win games. Like they, uh, not, they this year, change, not this year. I know, but they've got, I, yeah, they have to make some changes, but they've won games in the past. I think they have a couple of NFL guys on there. Um, they're not. Yeah, as I mean, tra- Adazio's <laughs> got to stick around long enough so we can have a Steve Adazio press conference. Oh, God. oh, oh God. yeah. I, Look, I if like they can steady the boat, steady the boat. They, they got to convince Trey McBride to come back for five more years somehow, so I can see him in person. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see that. Are you kidding? Yeah. Um, but I, they've had some good teams in, in recent years, so I, I don't know. I'm a little bit higher on them than you guys, and that's fine. It, it, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Like, who else are they going to add? Frankly, right. um, and then so. I mean, and you kind of, but if you add Air Force and Colorado State, you kind of got the Denver market because you're getting the north and the south there with Fort Collins and wherever the hell Air Force is. So, like, again, medium markets. Mm-hmm. Colorado's not as far away as you think, too. In my mind, it's next to Oregon. Like, it's like with Oregon, it's not that far away compared to some of the Temple's getting on a plane in the way. So, mm-hmm. yeah, easy to find in Denver. <laughs> Uh, next question comes from the screen. I'm cool hand red. How about the play of Manny Walker so far this season? The young man is really making a name for himself as a force on the defense. I'm glad to see his intensity, passion, and athleticism thoughts go owls. I didn't think it was that bad last year. People get obsessed uh, with, with sexy stats, like, like sacks. And for a reason, right? Like sacks can be momentum changing things. He had a lot of TFLs last year at, at, uh, opposite of Arnold Epichetti. So, I mean, I think he's been a, a ste- steady performance. Wasn't that his nickname? They were calling him like steady Manny. Mm-hmm. He was a steady performer last year. This year, he's getting a lot more pressure. He's getting the two uh, interceptions. But yeah, it's been it's been good to see him improve. He's a six year guy at this point, so this is what you expect. This is why he came back. He didn't think he had enough film. You're getting film now. This doesn't just have to be the Kyle answering show. <laughs> like, sorry. No, you're good. I mean, I would just echo a lot of the same things. I, I think you know the interceptions are great and they're really athletic plays, but like you know, how, you know, is that going to happen every game? <laughs> no, you know, like, you know, that, that's more like right place, right time type things, bad throws, stuff like that. I think what's more impressive about um, what Manny's done this year is just how consistently he's been winning off the edge, even though if, it, if it's not a sack, it's a pressure, it's getting a quarterback off his spot, stepping up in the pocket, right? Maybe you have an interior guy who's winning and that, that, you know, you create a sack that way you create a pressure. So, that's been impressive. And, but I agree with Kyle. I thought he was fine last year and I think he's been good this year. So, um, you know, I know that was like a big thing for John is like who was going to step up and pass rusher. And it seems like Walker is kind of filling most of that gap, probably not as much as we'd like, but I, I think he's probably been the most consistent guy and the best guy up front so far. Yeah. I mean, I think Will Rogers has had a good game as Wagner other than some dumb penalty. I mean, the penalties were earlier in the year, but I think he had, He's gotten a lot of pressures too, but it's the same thing. They just haven't really paid off yet in form of sacks, but it doesn't mean they're not impacting the game. Yeah. And again, said again, that move he made that, to get the sack um, against BC was really a, a really impressive play. And uh, I mean, if you keep set up, Hey, you know, at the time when they brought him in from the portal, you know, again, people are like, well, you lost Quincy Roche fans are like, is this what we're getting in return? And uh, I'm not saying that Manny Walker is going to automatically end up in the NFL, but now you're starting to really see, you know, why they reached out to him and they, you know, if he keeps playing this way, they'll look smart for, for taking him in the portal. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying anything. We all know Walter Stewart's very good at his job. Yeah. Very like they have a very good yeah. defensive line coach. Yeah. Yes. Um, next question uh, from the screen name, Tiger Al thoughts on this article and whether a temple should be a, a net gainer or loser um, the transfer portal B if it's a different story for basketball versus football from, so it's from this, this um, athletic director.com site. And it just, it talks about the, talks about the a real detailed breakdown of the transfer portal and it, it talks a lot about basketball and should temple be a net gainer in, in the transfer portal for basketball yeah i mean it's it's if if he's asking us to to focus first on basketball look i mean basketball wise they they already struck out on one of their top targets in, in daniel skillings they didn't even make the, his final list and and skillings just committed to cincinnati so they, they wanted to try to get him out of roman catholic they didn't get him uh not to say that things couldn't change, but whether they have one scholarship available or two scholarships available, I would, I would think again, just to remind fans, we can't have a coach on the show and ask them who they're recruiting. They can't comment on guys on the record, but I would take an educated guess and say that they would probably at this point, not want to reach for somebody and try to get an impact transfer in the transfer portal. Um, so I'll give Aaron credit. You know, I don't know what the demand was, but look, I mean, when you, 
have a five and 11 COVID shortened season. Yeah. Maybe somebody could have plucked Damian Dunn off your roster or said, Hey, we saw some impressive stuff on tape from Jeremiah Williams. Try to quint, try to, you know, uh, convince him to leave. Maybe, you, you know, if you recruited, if you were an ACC program that recruited Quincy Adam McCoy, Hey, you're not playing, you know, you can fill his head with thoughts. Oh, you're not developing there, you know, come here and play. He held the roster together. And I think that they'll probably look for a transfer. So they should probably be a net gainer in the transfer portal. I would, I would think it really might seem to be their, their best option, unless there's somebody, uh, a 22 recruit that, that we don't know about yet that they really like, but I mean, that would be my immediate reaction to, to Tiger Al's question there, but I wanted to see what you thought about Kyle Dante. If you I, want to I would, I would agree with that. I mean, I think they kind of already are right. Cause I mean, who they, yeah. They lost Monty Scott, who I think we all agree was a little over his head at this level yeah. and went down the level. And they added Jake Forrester for everything that people like to say online. He's been a productive big in this setup. And they add Caleb Battle, who looks like he has a chance to be pretty good at this level. Um, I think with the holding a scholarship thing, I know that really wasn't the question. The holding a scholarship, I think it's just easier to recruit off of a they think they're going to be better this year than they were last year. They need to be better this year they than they were be. last year. They're not. It's so, a problem. Yeah. It's another fork in the road season. Like you need to show steady improvement here. So it's, if you go whatever, 18 and 14, and it's easier to recruit off of that than a five and 11 season. So I think they're kind of smart for, I look, they have taken Daniel Skillings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, I think it's now that that hasn't happened, keep that in your pocket, see what's available there in March. Yeah, and we'll see what Emmanuel Pomo can do for them too. Yeah, they've been talking uh, about out of wake and you know, see. Sage Tolbert. Can... Like they, yeah. they I think they've already kind of been a bit of a net positive via the transfer portal. Yeah. Uh, next question here, uh, more conference realignment stuff. Kyle mentioned UAB before. Berkshire Al, the question here. Any thoughts on UAB joining the AAC? I live in Huntsville, Alabama, about an hour away. All of their programs are doing well. I think Mark Ingram, a uh, former associate athletic director at Temple, will add, uh, has done an amazing job in a state where it's all about Bama and Auburn. UAB is coming in a close third in sports coverage. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to see UAB join the American. It's not going to do anything for the casual Philadelphia fan that's just obsessed with, you know, what the hell's going on with the Eagles and, and Ben Simmons and all that stuff. But yeah, Mark Ingram's done a, a terrific job down there. UAB has been good. Um, I think they make a lot of sense. Again, I it's not a, a program name where people can be like, Ooh, UAB, that's a great ad, but yeah, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And it'd be the best mascot in the conference. You oh, you stole, you stole my cop out. That was going to be mine. I was like, I just want to see the dragon. Yeah, you get a dragon. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I think it, it would help football wise. If you're a pessimist, you go, well, you added ECU because ECU was riding a high in the early 2010s. And look what that did. Like, yeah, none of this is great for basketball. But, no, and none of it's great for Temple geographically, right. but in general, if nothing was going to be a geographical fit, then UAB is solid in basketball. They're not terrible. Like, it's not like Air Force is going to be very bad for basketball. Yes. Like, there's yeah. a reason Navy is a football only yeah. uh, <laughs> participant. So, unless it'll be David Robinson has kids that, that we don't know about who are. And the whole thing with Dave Robinson was he wasn't that big when he went to Navy, right? Yeah. He was only like 6'4", because there's a limit to, to join the Naval Academy. He can only be like 6'5", and under, and then he yep. What was that again? <laughs> uh, it's uh, growth plates. Uh, a couple more here. Uh, like Double-checking the, the board here. Uh, we call this guy screen name Al to the eighth degree. Uh, what is the feeling around the basketball program at the university right now? Apathy, dread, or are people genuinely excited for the future that Coach McKee is creating and selling? Or on campus, is McKee not selling anything at all Dante your student here we'll flip this over to you um, I mean do you as a temple student do you feel like people are excited for the season is that a weird question to answer coming off of a COVID season where nobody could go to games what are your thoughts on this I mean I so I don't cover the basketball team really at all like I, I pretty much stick to football so um I don't know like I don't know if there's a ton of excitement from the student body. I don't know if people are like thinking about basketball right now, frankly, at least from the student body. Like um, when my, when my friends text me about temple sports, it's still football usually to um, you know, they ask like, you know, who the heck is temple even playing this week is usually the question that I get from my friends who don't go to temple. Um, But from the people who do, I, I don't know. I think right now they're still in football mode. If I had to guess Uh, the team has, they're two and two at the end of the day. And I, I think that they've still, they're still captivating the student body. Um, I do think it is cool. It's like, 
uh, Aaron McKee is like great for the student body because like you say that name and everybody immediately just goes Allen Iverson, right? Like the generic fan has kind of been my experience, right? Like uh, when I tell people that I, cause I did cover the team two years ago uh, pretty heavily. And, you know, it's like, oh, like I got to interview Aaron McKee. I'd be like, oh, you know, do like, do you ask him questions about like Allen Iverson? Like that gets people excited that Aaron McKee is the head coach. Um, so I think when we get closer to basketball, that'll be an easier question to, add, to answer. But like right now, I think it's still football, at least on the student side. Mm-hmm. We got one more question again. Real quick. Here. It's not okay. cold yet. It's not cold enough yet. I don't think about basketball yet until it's like fully, fully full. Uh, a little chilly today, but still 67. Not going to be able to get to every single mailbag question today. I apologize for that. We'll get to one more here uh, and a little surprise for you guys uh, that we'll throw in here before we close out, uh, close out the show. Uh, let's get to this one from dblaze 75 question for the scoop, the offense, the offense, I guess you meant to say the offensive line has been underperforming all year. Why not play the younger players more? We saw some playing time for wisdom course. Do you think we'll see more younger offensive linemen play as the year goes on? I mean, my thought would be depends on the course of the game, depends on injuries, you know, that they're very high on Jim to Obadegu. Uh, he got in later in the game in a blowout against Wagner. They like him a lot. They like Bryce Tolman. Uh, I think Wiz held his own, you know, uh, when he subbed in for, for Joe Hooper. Um, I, I don't know if this is just an overly simplistic answer. I mean, I guess it depends on the, the course of the season. If they really start getting beaten up here and they see that they're not going to be playing for ball eligibility and, and Rod Carey says, look, we got to really continue to build for the future. Yeah. Maybe you see more Bryce Tolman, depending on what they're seeing on film. You know, I don't know if that's the, the short answer there, but what do you guys think of this one? Um, I, I would say that offensive line is difficult because um, the coaches, a lot of times they'll talk in generalities and they'll say, well, we really like this player, um, but you have to be a certain level of strong and you have to have your body exactly correct. So like, I know that the offensive line maybe has been disappointing to some, and, and I understand that. I don't think that they've been great, or I don't really think that they've met expectation, at least relative to the experience that they have. But with that said, like offensive line, there is a steep drop off. Like you can do a lot worse than what Temple's doing right now. Um, And if those young players were really, really ready to play, I think we would see them. Now we saw Wiz last year. So he's a little bit different than some of the other guys that John mentioned. So um, the coaches can be high on Toman and Jim too. And and that's good. And and you know what, they're going to have to play next year. A bunch of these guys are going to be out on the line. So we're going to have to see some of them next season, but uh, offensive line is very tricky. You cannot put a player out there who physically isn't ready. And I don't know what the physical readiness of some of those younger guys are. Um, obviously I, I don't know if there's any way, unless we like outwardly ask. And honestly, I don't think they'll give us that answer anyway. So, um, it's tough, man. Offensive line's hard because you'd almost prefer someone who's like going to be average over someone who might be really good, you know, even though that they're young, but they're going to have like really bad games or they just can't handle power at all. So now you're matchup dependent. So I, it's tough. I I think, you know, obviously if they're terrible and they just want to, you know, rotate guys in at the end of the year to see what they got, that's a different conversation. But right now I think they'd be wise to kind of stick with the guys that are ready and try and, you know, coach them up and get them to play, you know, more to their potential. I completely agree with all that. Deion Dawkins is and, and, and Kyle friends are rare. Um, like there's a reason these kids, even Bryce Toman, who's a second year freshman, like there's, it's better to wake your time with these kids. I think you see when there's, when there's the possibility for a guy to be strong enough to earn those snaps, you see it with whiz like Joseph Hooper was struggling, especially in run blocking, or I think Hooper might actually be a little more with pass blocking, but he was struggling and they're giving an opportunity where they're kind of splitting those snaps. So um, yeah, I, I completely agree. I, they've been underperforming a bit, but there's still a, all things considered a pretty solid offensive line at this point. All right. So before we close things out, uh, had a chance, uh, some of you might know that Temple is inducting its next class into its athletics hall of fame. Uh, among that group is Bill Bradshaw, who's tied to this person I'm going to talk about now, who is of course, Al Golden. Uh, again, if you know anything about the Temple football program, you know that Al was really the guy who kickstarted the revival of this whole thing. Uh, Matt Rule was an assistant on his staff and Foley was an assistant on his staff, uh, you know, and uh, really turned things around, really got things done at the ground level. I had a chance uh, to talk to Al Golden today. We're going to play a snippet of this interview here. The whole thing will be made available uh, for our alscoop.com subscribers. We'll play a little snippet 
of this interview here again, Al is going to be inducted into Temple's Athletics Hall of Fame. The Bengals are playing, I believe, what, Thursday night. Uh, so tomorrow night as we're recording this on a, on a Wednesday. The 2-1 and one Cincinnati Bengals. And Al's the linebackers coach there. Uh, has been with the Lions. Uh, after, you know, after uh, moving on from Temple, he was at Miami. Things didn't, you know... <laughs> exactly work out from there. I think he had some difficult circumstances from the, from the get-go. Uh, but uh, again, a guy who really completely turned around the program, got them to their first uh, first bowl game uh, in uh, 30 years and uh, did a lot of great things at Temple. So here's a snippet of our conversation. And again, uh, the full interview will be available for our subscribers, but here's a little bit of what you're gonna hear from that conversation. Hal, I mean, we've talked a lot of this is you and I kind of going down memory lane on this. And I know I've asked you a lot of this stuff before, but for new listeners, if you, you know, if you take a look back, obviously this was, this was arguably the biggest overhaul in college football at the time. And you were one of the, the best young defensive coordinators in the country at the time at Virginia. What made you, you know, if you were sitting and, and talking to your, to your wife, Kelly, if you're sitting around talking to her and planning out your next move, what? What attracted you to Temple? What made you think, you know what, this is gonna be a heck of a, a rebuild, but I think I can do it. What made you think like this is possible at Temple? Well, I just believed, uh, number one, it's home for me, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then number two, I was recruiting that corridor. So I had recruited, you know, from basically New York City, you know, down to Richmond. Um, and so that was the corridor that I was recruiting. And, you know, I said to myself when the job came open and ultimately when Mr. Bradshaw interviewed me, I said, I know we can get 16 guys. All you need is 16 guys a year, 17 guys a year um, that can that can uh, help us win, that can change, you know, the, uh, the the direction of this program. And obviously, I believe strongly in, in my set of core values, what the standards were going to be. Uh, in my ability to lead, um, so I guess my my wife probably thought I was nuts uh, at first, but it just felt it just felt right. It felt like uh, I was the right candidate at the right time, and truly blessed and grateful, you know, to Bill Bradshaw and um, and the administration for selecting me because uh, it it was really just one of those one of those moments um, that I'm, that I'm really proud of and really proud to be a part of. All right, so great to catch up with Al. It was a uh, a fun guy to cover uh, when when he was at Temple. Again, being inducted into Temple's Athletics Hall of Fame, uh, you'll be able to, like I said, if you're an AlScoop.com subscriber, hear that full interview on the site. Uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, great time to do it now. Um, that'll do it for this week. Uh, big thanks to Kyle for being back with us this week, and and uh, Dante. Big thanks. <laughs> I clicked a <the> link. <laughs> All right, fine. I won't, Here I am, guys. I, I, I made won't, the commute. I, I won't thank you next week. Uh, thanks, Dante, for hopping on. And uh, hopefully Sam will be back with us next week. So uh, we'll be back next week after the Memphis game to wrap up conversation about that. And then, of course, there's a big game coming up. Uh, tall task for the Owls playing Cincinnati. Uh, so we'll uh, talk to you soon. Yeah.